How often do we allow opportunities to use our gifts to the glory of God to pass us by in search of the perfect opportunity? And if you were here with me, you would see the heavy air quotes that I'm making with my hands around that word, perfect. How often do we keep waiting for that perfect opportunity? What is up, everybody? Welcome back to An Average Account of Exceptional Things. My name is Chandler, and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So this week, instead of focusing our discussion on a particular faith topic, as we generally do, we're going to do a deep dive into one of the many valuable parables from Scripture. So you may be asking yourself, what are parables? That's a funny-sounding word that he just used. And many people may already know what a parable is, but just in case anyone is unaware, a parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. And there are a number of wonderful parables all throughout Scripture. And I actually want to take a look at these parables from time to time in these episodes because I think they provide spiritual lessons in a way that is very relatable and easy for us to grasp. If you're a regular listener, you know by now that I love application. And parables frame spiritual lessons in that very tangible way that I find makes them so much easier to understand and then as a result put into practice for our everyday lives. But with that said, this week, as the title indicates, is going to be about the parable of the talents, as it is called. So I'm going to go ahead and start out here by reading this parable. It can be found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, 
and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that is a heavy parable. So I want to go ahead and split this up into sort of two sections for discussion. The first being verses 14 through 18, where we look at the master entrusting the servants with the talents and the response of the servants, and then the latter part of the parable where we see the return of the master and the servants accountable for what they had done in his absence. So starting out with this first portion, verses 14 through 18, these verses introduce the initial entrusting of the talents and each servant's response. So you may be familiar already, but for anyone who is less familiar with biblical currency, a talent was a certain amount of money, which, although there are differing estimates of what this would translate to in modern currency, in these times, a talent was roughly equivalent to about 20 years of wages for the average worker. So, needless to say, 20 years of wages is quite a lot of money. Now, there are some notable things about the beginning of this parable. The first of which is that each servant was given a different number of talents. Now, it may seem unfair, but the master chose to give each servant differing amounts. And it's really tempting to look at the servant who got a single talent and feel like he sort of drew the short straw, so to speak. But stop and consider just how much he had to work with. Remember, the value of a talent was 20 years of wages. So the entrusting of a single talent to the third servant only seems small because we compare it to the two talents and the five talents given before. And that's why I think it's very helpful to bear in mind and to have a reference point for just how valuable even a single talent was. Now I think that even just from these first few verses, there's an important lesson for us here. How often do we compare what God has blessed us with to others and become discontent? We look to others who've been given better opportunities or have been blessed financially, and often it feels like we have been shortchanged when in fact we have been so incredibly blessed ourselves. Just earlier today, I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine from church, and he told a story from his childhood that I feel like really sums this up nicely. He said when he was a kid, he would sometimes ask his father, 
Hey, Dad, are we rich? And one day he asked his father, Are we rich? And his father replied to him, We're rich in love. Now, I don't personally really know much about this family's financial situation. But what is evident to me from this story is that his father recognized just how incredibly blessed he had been by God. And that's a very beautiful thing. The fact that people encounter different situations or hardships doesn't mean that those people still aren't blessed. In fact, for some people, I would even say that having less may prove to be a blessing to spiritual growth in and of itself. So instead of comparing what God has given us to what God has given others, I find that a much greater standard is actually to compare what God has given us to what we actually deserve. And a friendly reminder here, as we can find in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So while it's easy to look at others and become discontent with what God's given us, if we really stop and think about it, we should instead be thankful for all that God has given us and all that God has not given us that we rightly deserve. Now additionally from this parable, we can see the response of the servants. So while the first two servants took their money and traded it, both doubling the number of talents they had, the third servant, who received only one, buried the talent. Now the part of this that jumps out to me is the success of the first two servants in the same proportion. Though they were given different amounts, both were successful to equal degrees. And to me, this shows the way in which working faithfully for the Lord is always a worthwhile endeavor, regardless of how good or bad the circumstances you find yourself in may be. And I think that's an important distinction to make, too, here. The servants were still working for the master. The talents that they were given and the money that they made from their efforts with those talents was still the master's at the end of the day. It wasn't theirs to keep, but rather it was theirs to be a steward of. In the same way, the blessings we receive are not ours permanently, but instead simply ours to steward for a time. And I believe that you can draw this parallel from the gift of talents to any number of blessings in our lives today. Obviously, some people may think of talents as we know them now, such as perhaps musical abilities or gifts in speaking or particular skill sets, but you could also apply this in the same way to monetary resources or even just a wealth in opportunities that you've been provided. Really, when it comes down to it, this can be applied to any blessing that we have received. In all of these circumstances, we are called to be a good steward of that thing that God has blessed us with and also recognize that it is a gift from God, not our due.
for anything that we have done. And the point here is that while we may all find ourselves with greater or fewer resources to work with, we are all called to use them in service to God just the same. But another beautiful thing that we see in this parable is that the reward we receive is not based upon how much we've been given, but it's actually based instead upon our good stewardship of those gifts. So as we now move towards verses 19 through 30, we see the return of the master and his response to the servants. So in this second portion of the parable, we see something very interesting. For both the servant who was given five talents and the one who was given two talents, the master had the same response. It wasn't necessarily about how much money each of the servants had made, but it was instead about their efforts to continue working in his absence. But then the third servant comes forward, who buried the single talent. Despite safeguarding the gift he had been given, this servant had been stagnant in the master's absence, failing to produce any profit with what he was given because he did not attempt to. Now, as a result, the master rebukes the servant and takes the talent from him. So what does this teach us? Well, I think for starters, it teaches the importance of work. How often do we allow opportunities to use our gifts to the glory of God to pass us by in search of the perfect opportunity? And if you were here with me, you would see the heavy air quotes that I'm making with my hands around that word, perfect. How often do we keep waiting for that perfect opportunity? How often do we fail to work for the Lord because we are waiting for what we think is just the right moment? Well, the reality is we live in an imperfect world. And there will always be a reason not to seize those opportunities as long as we're looking for a reason. I believe that often the most important step is simply being willing to make that first move and trust God to give you what you need to serve him. We can see this illustrated by the first two servants. As we've already mentioned, they both succeeded to equal levels despite having different amounts to work with. And in the same way, we can trust that God is going to equip us with what we need in our efforts to serve him, regardless of where we're starting from. Now, one setting where I find this to be particularly applicable in my own life is in terms of evangelism. It's so easy to just sit back and let opportunities to share the gospel pass by in search of that perfect opportunity. You know, it's easy to tell ourselves well, I would do that if it wasn't for this thing. Or, well, if this particular thing happens, then I'll be comfortable talking to that person about Christ. The truth of the matter is, it's likely that we will never find a circumstance where we feel completely free from those fears of rejection or the fear of being uncomfortable. It's not about waiting 
for what we think is the perfect moment. Often, it's about being brave enough to overcome those fears and seize the opportunities that God provides us with, even when we feel like it may not be what we would consider the perfect moment. In reality, we should all be working constantly to be a good steward for God of the resources and time on earth that he has given to us, not burying the treasure of the gospel somewhere. Not every person is going to be receptive, and there may be some awkward conversations, but that doesn't mean that we should stop being intentional in using what we have been blessed with to the glory of God. Now, the last thing that I think is a crucial lesson from this parable is that we will be accountable for how we use what the Lord has given us. For many listeners, you may already see this parallel clearly, but just as the master in the parable returned and held the servants accountable, we too will be responsible for our actions and whether we were good stewards of the blessings we receive or whether we weren't. Our actions carry weight. No one knows the day that his or her time on earth will end, and as a result, there is undoubtedly an urgency with which we have to approach this topic. So as we begin to close today, if you're working for the Lord diligently, I hope that this parable of the talents has encouraged you in that work. And if that's not you, however, I pray that the discussion today has helped emphasize the importance of using what we have been given to serve God. Regardless of our individual circumstances, we all have a work to do, and we should be about it urgently, because each of us will be held responsible for our action, or our lack thereof. So with all that said, I hope that you've enjoyed this week's episode of An Average Account of Exceptional Things. And until next time, encourage one another, love your enemies, and count your blessings. Mm-hmm.